So we had a bit of a recap on the um, first session yesterday, a, um, a recap on the second one. We were thinking of God's view of the church, warts and all, and uh, thinking from that verse from the message where it says, the church is not peripheral to the world, the world is peripheral to the church. Then we went on after doing some macro, like zooming out and looking at it objectively like you can do on Google Earth and, and seeing the big picture, we went from there um, looking down onto a micro level. God's view of the church, warts and all, applying that view of how God sees us to how it actually works out on the ground with Abbey Church, Abbeydale in Gloucester. I'm thinking of God equipping us for our calling to mend a broken world. Thinking how too he calls us to practice love and forgiveness in the messiness of our life together. And uh, I'm illustrating that by hanging up nets and getting people to kick over glasses of water and causing all sorts of confusion up here at the front. But uh, one of the things we recognized yesterday was the fact that we need to mend holes in our nets. And the net that we had was here with holes in. There was a hole here, uh, a hole there, a hole there, and a hole um, down there where he's nearly put his head. And uh, these are all mended with the threads that you prayed over. When you... When I challenged you, pray over those threads. What do I need to do to mend the holes in our nets? And I'm thankful to my wife and to my son, Peter, who was at home for the weekend, not only to cook us a Thai green curry, but to help mend your net. And you'll see that not all the green thread has been used for mending the net. There's some spare. That's just so that you can be quite confident that you've got resources of grace to mend any future holes that you might get in your net. We're going to read now from the title that God is community and we are made in the image of God from 1 Corinthians 12. And first of all, just reading from three verses, verses 4 to 6. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but the same God works all of them in all men. Different gifts, 
but the same spirit. Different ways of serving God, but the same Lord. Different ways in which God works, but the same God. God is love. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. God is community. God lives in relationship with God. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And we are made in the image of God. We need each other. We were made for community. We were made to live as God lives. We're made for interdependence, not independence. And that's a countercultural phenomenon. Because in our whole society is geared up to making people independent. We, we work that way with our children until they are 18 and then gone into their 20s and, and it's not quite working as well as it used to because kids aren't leaving home and, and, and people don't like it and they're around too long because why? The parents want their independence. You've got it all wrong. Certainly dramatically different to seven-eighths of the world that live in extended family where the village raises the child. And it's something about our our nuclear family-focused, Western, materialistic, capitalistic... Heavens, and we've got five more years of Tory rule. Um, (laughs) Way of living. We've just got to see it. We've got to see it that church is different. Church is not about independence. It's about interdependence. We're made in the image of God. God is community, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. We're made for that. We're made for interconnectedness, not doing our own thing. We're made for real relationships, not superficial relationships. We're made to invite God into the messy reality of who we are and what our families are. Not pretending that everything is okay and so we keep things neat and tidy. And and if we live in this way that is interdependent, that is interconnected, that is one of real relationships, that invites God into the messy reality of who we are, in a good way, we talked about that yesterday, didn't we? Good messy, bad messy, there's both, we need both, it applies to both. That needs the practice of love and forgiveness. Absolutely essential. So we go right back to the beginning where we started. As I have loved you, so love one another. That's where it's so fundamental, so vital to be loved up by Jesus. To be so secure and safe and to have all our deficiencies filled up by him. 
To know that through all the stresses and strains of life that can sap our energy and sap who we are, it is possible to lie back in that vast ocean of God's love and be held up. And so we have a church and this fishing net is a is an image of abbey church and right in the center we've got jesus is is number one i i feel i'm rather like that guy on the election programs you know who's who's with all these sort of things around maps around and all these sort of things but anyway let me get back to what i was talking about and Right in the, in the heart, in the middle, is Jesus, the central place given to the Lord Jesus. And God is love. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit living in a relationship of love. And God calls us to do the same thing. And that needs the practice of forgiveness, which is at the heart of our Christian gospel. And in its purest, most profound form, the offended one proffered forgiveness. And so we can never hold back on some issue or some matter or some grudge or whatever it is and say, well, I'm not going to make a move until somebody apologizes or somebody says sorry or any stuff like that. God, do that. He calls us to repentance. He calls us to recognize our need. He calls us to, to say sorry for our, our brokenness and to understand that he is there with forgiveness and an open embrace. And with Jesus at the center, we worship Jesus and, and we pray to Jesus. And so we are a worshiping and a praying community where there is acceptance and where there is belonging and where there is real relationship. Because we're made in the image of God and God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And we are made for interdependence. We are made for interconnectedness. We are made for inviting God into the reality of our lives and being real with ourselves and with others. God has made us to be gifted. These three verses, four to six, say that. To serve and to be energized to do his work. And to complete the task that God has for us individually and corporately, we need the necessary tools. We'll be given those by the Spirit. A specific assignment, we receive that from the Lord. Sufficient energy to do the work given to us from the Father. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And if we read on here from verses 7 to 11, we read a gift, uh, a list of the gifts of the Spirit. And it, it's very similar to the one that we looked at yesterday from Ephesians 4. So we're not going to look there again. We, we considered that yesterday. 
what I want to, you to note, if you just look at that 1 Corinthians 12 passage, is that um, two-thirds of this passage on spiritual gifts, Paul gives over to this parable about the body. Two-thirds of this passage on living in the image of God, being gifted by the Spirit, tasked by Jesus, energized by the Father, is given over to this picture of what we are like, of how we are to be together. And it was obviously an important corrective that the church in Corinthians needed on their understanding of God's giftedness for the church. Because right at the beginning, he praises them for their spirituality. But here he's coming with this important corrective after all the other things he's said. And Paul makes a drama, a drama in which the foot, the eye, the ear, and the head are all given speeches. Do you see it? We'll be reading it in a minute, so you, so you um, will, will hear. I, I, I want you to listen out to the drama that Paul makes, the, the sketch or the skit that he's putting together, and the words that he puts into these different body parts. But just before we do that, think about this, that in Middle Eastern culture, if the parts of the body were free to choose their own functions, they would all be an eye, a right hand, or the head. So the body would die, wouldn't it? It wouldn't be able to function like that <laughs> with just an eye, a head, and a right hand. In Middle Eastern culture, you only eat with your right hand, and, and if you're visiting or you're not so used to do that or if you're going in and out of that kind of culture the best thing to do is to sit down and to sit on your left hand just to stop it doing anything <laughs> because the left hand in that culture is used to do all the things that are a bit unmentionable and so we won't talk about them but the, that's what that hand is used for and the right hand is used for um, eating and uh, I, I used to sit on grass-covered floors of little dwellings made from stones and plastered with mud and, and they would just bring in a tray of rice with bits of meat in and they pour molten ghee, the, the highest concentration of fat over this rice and meat and you'd all sit around there and that was your dinner. So, so in you go, folks. And, and, and you had to get the skill of scooping up a bit of rice with this sort of ghee stuff and making it into a thing and getting your thumb and, and flicking it into your mouth like that and doing that without making a complete mess and idiot of yourself in, in, in the process. And when you, if you were brave enough to get hold of a bit of that meat, it, it would have been of the latest ancient buffalo or cow to have got the chop so it would be pretty tough and, and uh, you know, these guys are raised on it but we're not and our teeth aren't quite as razor sharp I think um, so anyway that's that in Middle Eastern culture feet and all shoes are unspeakably unclean 
The left hand is unclean, but less so than the foot. The foot is the pits. So, Exodus 3.5, what's Moses told? Take off your shoes. Why? Because you're standing on holy ground. How does John the Baptist describe his loneliness in comparison with Jesus? I'm not worthy to undo your shoes. I'm not even worthy to take the lowest place of the lowest slave in the house that would have to do with the feet, including washing the feet. And that's where we started with Jesus, because Jesus had been washing the disciples' feet when he comes and says to them, as I have loved you. He had taken the lowest place of the lowest slave or servant in the house to do that for his disciples. And he says, as I have loved you, you must love one another. In Middle Eastern culture, sacred books must never touch the floor. Whatever house you go in, if you go into a Muslim house, the Quran will be on a high shelf in the most important room. But you would never put this book on the floor. It is the height of disrespect. A sole of a person's foot must never be visible at home or in a public space. There's one incident in, that happened in Raja Bazaar, Ralpindi, where we were one time, um, and I was there with my wife, and, and it was often quite hard raising teenage daughters and even taking your wife into the bazaar in some places in Pakistan because despite how culturally appropriately dressed they were, it wasn't unusual for them to have um, an inappropriate touch here and an inappropriate touch there when you're in a crowded situation. Well, there was this one time that was stuck out, stuck out in our... <laughs> memory where where this man had obviously inappropriately touched this Pakistani woman in that situation. Do you know what she did? She took off her sandal and she went and bashed this guy on the head and chased him through the bazaar, hitting him like this. That was the most insulting, the most reactionary thing that she could possibly do. Take off her shoe, her sandal and hit him over the head. In Iraq, when they brought down the statue of Saddam Hussein, people took off their shoes and hit it. So Paul opens with a dramatic account, this dramatic account, with a foot. Hear it in that context as we hear what God wants to say to us about working and being his body. We'll read 1 Corinthians 12, verse 12. The body is a unit, though it's made up of many parts, and though all its parts are many, they form one body. And so it is with Christ. We were all baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slave or free, and we were all given one spirit to drink. Now the body is not made up of one part, but of many. If the foot should say... 
because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body was an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has arranged the parts of the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. And if they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. The head cannot say to the foot, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has combined the members of the body and has given greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so there should be no division in the body, and that its parts should have equal concern for each other. And if one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is part of it. And in the church, God has appointed, first of all, apostles, second, prophets, third, teachers, then workers of miracles, also those having gifts of healing, those able to help others, those with gifts of administration, those speaking in different kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? Eagerly desire the greater Gifts, and he goes on to speak about love. The body needs the feet and the eyes and the head equally. At our church recently, we had a discussion evening on the spiritual gifts, and, and in, in order to do that, I um, read through the various lists of the gifts, and then we looked at the DVD, The Cross, by the Billy Graham organization. Has anybody seen that DVD? Not many. It's one he's brought out for whatever anniversary it is of his ministry. It was also sort of combined with his 96th birthday. Um, but it, this DVD has got two contemporary testimonies. You go in and out of them through the DVD. Lacey in LaCroix. And, and it's this one and that one, this one, that one, this one, that one, with Billy Graham in between, all focusing on the cross. So what I did was to preview the DVD so that we just had Lace's testimony, and we had it here, and then we stitched it up with when she carries on, and then this bit, and then that bit. You get the drift, yeah? And so we had her story. Her story when, as a teenage girl... She had come to that point where she'd decided that she would take a life. She didn't want to carry on. She'd actually decided that she was going to do that on this one day. And she came back from school on this one day. But the grandmother visited at that time, and she insisted that Lacey come to church with her. And when she was there 
in the church, the pastor taking the service, publicly said, I discern that we have a spirit of suicide here in our midst. She found that a bit weird, really. But then, towards the end of the service, she got up to go, and a white-haired man at the door stopped her and gave her a message that was directly to her heart. You've never known a father's love. You've never known the care of a dad in your life. But God wants to be the father that you've never had, you've never known. And that white-haired man spoke under the inspiration of God a message directly to her heart. And that girl was saved. We sat back and thought, well, what does that illustrate of the gifts that were used? And just like this passage describes, there are some that stand out, aren't there? There was the pastor who who was actually discerning. And that was one of the things we thought about in the um, second part of the first message where I said we need to live more three-dimensionally. Yeah? We need to be more aware of spiritual realities, of, of angels and angelic protection, of evil spirits and evil forces. Here was a pastor who was aware and who said so. And there was the white-haired man at the door, equipped, gifted to say, give a word of knowledge, a prophetic word directly to her that spoke into her heart. But there was the grandmother. One of the gifts is that of encouraging. Oh, she's strongly encouraged, all right? She encouraged. She said, you're coming. <laughs> she took her. But what did she take her to? The church. Well, how did that church meeting happen? Did it just happen? No, the, there would have been an administrator who would have organized it published it, there would have been somebody on the AV. Bless you. And whoever did it yesterday, where are you? You didn't want to do it, but there you are. <laughs> we need you. We need these people, and thank you. There would have been somebody on the AV too, looking after it. And somebody would have cleaned that church. That's quite a foot kind of job, isn't it, really? Yeah? And so when you start to unpack it, you realize, actually, look, there's all sorts of people involved in that one story. And that's what we need. And what it challenged me and the challenge that I brought to us at Glebe was that, you know, sometimes I think we can do 80% of the job, 90% of the job, but we haven't got that last 10% that we need just to crack it. Yeah? And, and that's the challenge, that we might be equipped by God the Spirit. Assigned our task by Jesus our Lord. And energized 
to do the work that he's given us to do with the equipping that is gifted us to do it, energized by God for it. God has a plan for us individually, a gift for us to use individually that we might complement one another and be his functioning body, interconnected, interdependent, Inviting God into the real reality of life. Where you are. Who you are. Inviting other people to bring their reality into this real community where there can be acceptance, real relationships, a sense of belonging because it's all centered on Jesus who is love who forgives us and gives us the power to forgive one another, whom we worship and who we pray to. Paul's message through the parable of the body is this, his message to the Corinthians, his message to us, differences mustn't become grounds for division and disunity. We're not clones. We are different people with different roles. Some are more visible, some are less so. Some are considered more important, some less so. But we are all vital to one another. We need each other and all using our God-giftedness for the common good. Let's pray. Spend... Just a while in prayer before God. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. God's word says that we have all been gifted. Jesus, our Lord of all, who's been raised to the highest place in deepest heaven liberally, generously gives gifts to his church. He doesn't see his church as periphery to the world, but the world as periphery to his church. You are his precious possession. You are his beautiful bride for whom he is coming. He equips you. He will give you a job to do, a task by which you can glorify him. And we can confidently look to the Father to energize us for the work that he's given us to do. We need one another. We have been made to live in community. We've been made for interdependence, for interconnectedness. We've been given a place where we can be real. God wants to come into the reality of our lives, of our lives individually and our life together. God wants to bring the healing. God wants to mend the nets. 
God wants us to practice being his body. Let's just take a minute to personally respond in submission to what God is calling us to do as a part of his church. Lord, have your way, and may our time together over this weekend bring the change that you want in us personally and in us collectively for your honor and glory. Amen.